Good afternoon. Welcome to the Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech Podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today I read the case Soto vs. State, 513-SW2D-931, Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, 1974. This is an afternoon to advance the First Amendment. So use your afternoon to advance the First Amendment. What happened in this case? The opinion says, quote, Appellant in a trial before a jury was convicted of exhibiting obscene matter, to wit, an obscene motion picture. Punishment was assessed at a fine of $1,000 in a term of six months in jail, end quote. Wife beaters don't get six months in jail. Yet, just exhibiting obscene matter gets that. The $1,000 we need to adjust for inflation, like I always like to mention to my dear audience. I plug that into the Bureau of Labor Statistics CPI inflation calculator. In October 1971, $1,000 would be equivalent of today's $6,303.11. So what do you think about that, friends? What do you think about that? Over $6,000 for exhibiting obscene matter. How would you like to be assessed that fine? The decision also says, quote, The record reflects that at all times pertinent here to appellant was manager of the Studio Arts Theater in Dallas. On October 27, 1971, Police Officer Bailey of the Alcoholic and Licensed Bureau, formerly known as the Vice Control Bureau of the Dallas Police Department, purchased a ticket and entered the theater to check complaints that obscene movies were being exhibited. He watched the films being shown from beginning to end and made written notes regarding them, end quote. I'm sure in some part of his body or soul, he enjoyed those films. Bailey, you're a jerk for doing this. There were several grounds of concern, as they call them, grounds of error, that our appellant Soto tried to use. One ground was the use of an expert witness by the prosecution. Our appellant claimed that this expert witness wasn't an expert in regard to obscenity. And thus, showing the film, it says, quote, that the showing of the film without expert testimony would not be sufficient to sustain conviction, end quote. They did not find that ruling, that decision, that argument persuasive. And they say it was shown to a jury. And here's what happened in the film. They don't give a title anywhere I can see, but here's what happened. It says, quote, we have likewise reviewed this film on this appeal. It opens with a man and a wife having sexual intercourse. They find that their sexual life is mutually unsatisfactory and decide to take separate vacations. The remainder of their first reel, about 45 minutes in length, shows a series of acts of oral sodomy and sexual intercourse, all in the nude, between the husband and other women, and the wife and another man. The second reel, also about 45 minutes in length, shows individual acts of sodomy and sexual intercourse between a man and a woman, and then an orgy of acts of oral sodomy and sexual intercourse between three men and two women, and also further acts of sexual intercourse and oral sodomy in which two couples participated in the nude. The showing of this film is sufficient evidence for a determination of obscenity, end quote. In one of the other obscenity trials by the Supreme Court, one of the judges said he can't think of 
a greater waste of time than to have judges watch obscenity films. Here's a prime example. They had to watch 90 minutes of this stuff. Judges are prim and proper folks, so to make them watch that is an act of torture. And I blame the prosecution for this. In, in the second issue, the appellant invoked the First and Fourteenth Amendments about possession of the films. And they cite Stanley v. Georgia, which declared that you can possess it in your home. But they said this was not in a home. It was commercial exhibition, as they say, quote, do doing business in obscenity, end quote. They also, the defendant also tries to invoke the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment for the seizure of the film. He says he wasn't given notice and also that it wasn't proper procedure. But they didn't find this persuasive at all. For the fifth issue... They attack the constitutionality of the statute of obscenity in Texas. We've seen this happen many times before. It's great frontal assault. I love that move. Unfortunately, it hasn't succeeded. If it has succeeded, we probably wouldn't be here. So that's why we need to keep fighting. All these people who have tried to overturn these statutes are inspiration for us to keep going. Indeed, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So let us proceed in this good fight. They didn't find that persuasive. So they conclude the following, quote, The judgment is affirmed. End quote. Look what we have here, friends. What do you think about that? So too could be in First Amendment heaven today if he died. 1974 was a long time ago. If he was, he would have been at least 21 so that would be 53 would be his age so he'd be in his late 60s but there's a good possibility he was older than 21 maybe he was 35 40 45 50 who knows so the fact that he is dead or alive is hard to determine for sure unless Soto committed some heinous offense which would disqualify him he likely could be in first amendment heaven or could be going there which is where we need to strive to go. So unless Soto committed some heinous offense, ask yourself, how can you be more like Soto and fight the good fight? How will you advance the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.